As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. BTE builds products that you can depend on, whether it's a complete power glide transmission, a torque converter for your specific combination, or any related component or bolt-on item. The professionals at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed. Shop online at bteracing.com. The IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular will take place at US 131 in Martin, Michigan this weekend, July 12th through the 14th. New to the Summit Sportsman Spectacular in 2019, racers will be able to earn track championship points. Stay tuned for more exciting details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in Sportsman Drag Racing and the stars within it. Welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed, the weekly show where we sometimes discuss Chet Dragon and Jim Rod Cap. Big Jed, I know you're struggling a little bit. We're going on a little sleep. Just had a super successful world foot break challenge. How are you, sir? <laughs> Luke, um, I'm doing about as well as I can struggling not running on not much sleep it seemingly got less and less as the days progressed and um i had a, a day at work today and the podcast tonight which if uh, just to the listener if i sound unprepared it's because i am so i'm just going to be ad-libbing a bunch hopefully luke you curious like you always do but otherwise i'm i'm a little beat up bud but i'm here I'm present and i'm ready well, congratulations on another successful WFC. We'll get to it a little bit later in the show. And to be completely honest, off the cuff, Jed, 
my favorite jet. It's going to be just fine. <laughs> Quick shouts to our last couple of guests. We do a poor job of uh, rehashing past episodes on current episodes, but Big Jed, huge shouts to you. I'm sure you got a lot of compliments this weekend in particular for your interview with one Bucks, Bob Mullaney. I got to listen to that myself uh, on my way to Byron over the weekend. Really enjoyed it. Nice work there. Thank you to uh, to Bucks for being on. And also, a couple weeks prior to that, uh, Danny Bastianelli. I know I got a lot of positive feedback on that interview uh, in my travels over the last couple of weeks. So glad that you guys are enjoying that. And props to incredible guests, uh, seasoned veterans of the sport with uh, with a lot of fun, exciting, and, and um, enjoyable stories to offer. No doubt uh, two uh, decorated characters in uh, the sportsman drag racing world, and it was great. Yeah, obviously, your interview with Danny was super well-received. People loved it far and wide, and uh, yeah, I did hear a lot of great things about the one that Bob did, and Bob told me this past weekend at WFC that a ton of people came to him and uh, and expressed that they really enjoyed hearing it, So, uh, and it was way more listeners than I thought we had just based on what Bob's feedback was, so that's really good too, Luke. That's a wonderful thing. I'm telling you, our half dozen, they get the word out pretty good. <laughs> they do. They really do. Very loyal. So that is what's on our mind. That's what we're talking about. But there's a whole lot going on in the racing world, Big Jed. We got a lot to get to on today's show, but we'll start it off with what everyone's talking about. Gotta hear this. This week on What Everyone Is Talking About. Jed, as announced within the last calendar week in 2020, there will be not one, but two events on the sportsman drag racing landscape that will pay a guaranteed winners winners purse of one million dollars crazy man crazy kyle riley and the staff at sfg released it's been a month or two ago basically like a logo for their million dollar race they've leaked some details of that that's going to be july 4th weekend 2020 at martin michigan just within the past week Britt Cummings and Galen Rollison released the Great American Guaranteed Million uh, complete flyer with complete details uh, that's coming to Memphis Memorial Day weekend. So as the SFG details become are, are released, we'll obviously disclose those and talk about them. Since we've got a flyer in front of us, details in front of us, we're going to spend some time today focusing more, I guess, on the Great American Guaranteed Million, but just the idea that there are two races on the schedule in 2020 that will pay a guaranteed million dollars to win What's your initial reaction to that? Amazing. I mean, <laughs> what is available to the bracket racer right now is truly amazing. Uh, obviously, nowhere near on this scale, but we announced something pretty big ourselves over the weekend that we right. thought was awesome, and we'll talk about that later as well. But uh, this is about the Great American Guaranteed Million. Luke, I, I wish I could go back to DragRaceResults.com on the million topics over the last 10, 12 years to all those guys that said, it ain't ever going to happen. They ain't ever going to pay a million. Why they even call it a million? Well, not only are they going to do it once next year, they're going to do it twice and it's going to pay it. So that's why they call these a million. And it's going to be real interesting to see how well the crowds are, how many people 
go out on a limb and put themselves in this thing trying to win a life-changing amount of money. We talk about life-changing amounts of money regular these days in bracket racing, but these two races truly are going to be life-changing. We talk about life-changing money in bracket racing like it's not life-changing money. That's how commonplace it's become. And we'll talk a lot more, like I think the underlying question here, like I just see a lot on social media, you know, is this going to work? Is this going to happen? Is this good for the sport? Does this diminish the other races? Like there's a lot to unpack here. And Jed, we'll get into like, we're going to dedicate next week's episode exclusively to that topic. So stay tuned. This week, we're just going to kind of go through the basics, talk about this event. We're going to recap a busy couple of weeks of racing. And then like I say next week, we'll get more into our um, opinionative side and like, where's this whole thing going? So stay tuned for that. The topic right now, this Great American Guaranteed Million, First off, the sponsors that are making this happen, this is coming through Straight Line Strategy Group, Mosier Engineering, obviously involved with just about everything that the Cummings have been involved with for the last decade or more. The Reese Insurance, the official insurance of this event, Renegade Race Fuels, the official fuel. I'll just be completely transparent here in saying that I'm glad that the cat is out of the bag like, I've been kind of tired of keeping this a secret. Britt's been talking about this, you know, in, in confidence. I guess I, I guess I should feel privileged. I'm part of the inner circle. This has been formulating for over a year. So anybody that thinks, like, for example, this was released shortly after SFG 525, which we'll get to later in the show, resounding success, unbelievable success. Like, this wasn't just drawn up in response to, oh, wow, people will go to a big dollar bracket race. No, this has been in the works for a long time, over a year planning, I can attest to. Lots of details still to come. I mean, there is an official event flyer. I think some of the details of this, from what I can gather, will be really juicy, really interesting, huge to the bracket racing world. It's just not quite all finalized yet and ready to release. Yeah, no doubt, Luke. It's uh, it's going to be interesting as these details come forward. And uh, obviously, you've been in the know for quite some time. And yeah, Britt and Galen have been working on this for a long time. But there is more really good information to come based on the rumors we're hearing. And it's going to be a game changer. I mean, there's, uh, for best I can tell, what is going to happen with this Great American Bracket Race Million there's no other one like it. So it, it um, obviously no other one like it, but no other event like it the way this is playing out with the sponsor involvement. It's going to be real interesting. Yeah, no doubt. And Britt alluded to some of this in uh, the introductory interview that was released on Drag Illustrated, I believe. But the meat to this thing that really hasn't gone into depth is the television package that surrounds it. Again, no details yet, but... I get the impression that that's what's making this all work. That's what's allowing this massive purse to be guaranteed. Hopefully we'll get into that a little bit more next episode. Now, if you just look over this event flyer, there's some interesting stuff that kind of stood out to me. Obviously, the entry fee is significantly higher than the original million or than the Spring Fling million, certainly than the SFG 525. I don't know exactly what the entry fee will be on the on the SFG million, but this race is $3,000 to enter. It's massive. But the winner's purse, $1 million. I mean, that's more. That's nearly twice the, the richest purse in the history of drag racing. I saw that they went with a pre-entry process. I think that that was a, a little bit in debate. What's the cap? 450 cars? Is that accurate? 450, yeah. 
capped field for both events so it's not like the the 40 granders that surround it i believe it's 340s that surround the main event it's not like they're gonna have 800 cars it's gonna be 450 across the board and i thought what was really interesting what i really haven't seen done at least i mean i've seen it done but just out of um, circumstance and necessity but actually in the pre-planning stage they're saying hey the main event here the the million it's going to be a two-day event. We're going to run a time trial. I think their plan is a time trial, first round, re-entry round, second round on, uh, what would that be, Saturday? It's Friday. And then shut everything down, have a good night. We'll come back the next morning and finish this thing. Spreads it out, gets the race done at a decent hour. I think if it's done right, builds a little bit more atmosphere, a little bit more prestige around the main event. It's, just, it's, it's different, but I, I like the concept. Yeah, and you you talk about how different that is. Just think about when you do win that last round of Friday, all that's going to go. You don't really have time to think about some of those things when you're in the moment and round after round after round, especially as those fields start dwindling, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth round and beyond. So now you're going to think about that all night long. I mean, is the weather going to change? There's going to be a lot of variables that we've never seen and at a in a race with these stakes so the uh, only it, thing jed that i could compare that to and keep in mind this was for five percent of the money but it was a whole <laughs> lot of money to me at the time it would still be a whole lot of money to me today the first world footbreak challenge that you guys hosted paid fifty thousand dollars to win and we'd had some rain that day we hit curfew i'm sure you remember with well, four cars remaining and i remember trying to sleep that night knowing that when i woke up in the morning i think i got a time trial and that i was going to compete with uh it was uh pete kivett scotty richardson and brian brown one of us was going to win 50 grand and that like that i was a pretty experienced racer at that point and that was a rough night's sleep like i can't imagine to x 20 times 20 20 at least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a lot to think about and it's going to create some variables that we haven't seen on a stage anywhere near this size before. So it's, it's going to add uh, an element of interest to the event that we haven't seen before. And it's, it's, you know, really cool. I, I like it. I like the strategy. I do too. Okay. Lots more on that topic and the general drag racing, sportsman drag racing, bracket racing landscape next episode be sure to tune in for that that in the business is what we call a tease big ched i don't this wasn't fair like to try to put one in front of the other on the podcast i feel like just because we're a week removed the big story um a week ago was without question the sfg 525 us 131 dragway Motors, US 131 Motorsports Park. I think that's right. Martin, Michigan. We previewed this on the previous week's podcast. We made our prediction. We were way off. We undersold it just a little bit. But I think in our defense, Big Jed, everybody missed. They had 700 plus entries in the 50s and over 600 entries in the guaranteed $525,000 to win main event. I think Kyle Riley tried to tell us this was going to be huge. I don't want to say we didn't believe him. Nobody thought it would be this. No, I'm not sure even anyone inside their camp felt like it would turn into this. But there's you couldn't even have prepared. Even if you knew this was coming, there's nothing you can do with it. 
it, it just you know it consumes you so it, they, it got a mind of its own without question to that point big jed your prediction which i thought was lofty for the 525 you said we'd have 453 entries i tempered expectations a bit i said 363 your guess was nearly 200 entries short 600 plus entries in the 525 for the surrounding events your guess was 568 we were close there i said 552 we were both a good 150 short 700 plus entries in the 50 graders yeah, so they, they, they probably had my number after the re-entry round i hadn't run the numbers yet but I mean. it was close it was <laughs> close it was the race that would never end on one hand it's cool as all get out to see that kind of support for a big dollar bracket race like i'm in the pits wednesday i'm parked as far away from the starting line as you could possibly be and it's full and i'm just i'm parked on the hill i can see everybody coming in the gate they just kept coming and kept coming and it's incredible like it is a statement for where we're at in big dollar bracket racing that that many people from all across the the continent really are willing to come support an event like that now on the on the flip side Obviously, it brings about some serious challenges for the event staff and for the racers. Like, we'll get deeper into that next episode and like event structure, what we like, what we don't like, what's fair, what's not fair, like, what's the best way to go about this? Because as these races pop up, everybody's got a different spin on it, everybody's got a different way to do it. But specific to the event that happened in Martin, Michigan, you know, a week and a half ago. Our winner's predictions were just about as far off as our car count predictions. Your prediction to win it was Jason Lynch. He was done early. I feel very honored that you predicted Jason Lynch to defeat me in the final. Had you seen any of the time slips that I posted from that event, you would have not been proud of that prediction at all. The only race that I got anything rolling in was the 525 itself. And uh, I think I lost with 50-ish cars left, which I believe was the same round that my pick to win it, Chris Stein, fell. You had, like, kind of laid this little backup plan. Let's leave it to Jed to pick three winners when we had to pick one. <laughs> and you also threw Lane Dickin in there. I think, if I'm not mistaken, Lane lost that same round, 50 cars left. The man of the hour, the man of the weekend, without question, 19-year-old Gage Burge. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. 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 Uh, obviously, we know if you've listened to the the podcast for long, you know that we have spoken of the the, the talent within Gage for a long time. I mean, this this young man Did is one of the most story? talented. I mean, we were on this early. Yeah, as far as national recognition, I would say we were story breakers. But we knew Gage was destined to do great things in the sport. But I was thinking 25, 30 years old before he, <laughs> he was recognized as being one of the greats. But he's, he cemented himself in history with the largest payday ever in drag racing with a, an unbelievable performance. You know, it's, it's one thing getting one of them dragsters y'all drive and say, I've never sat in it. Okay, they all drive the same. I know you're going to say this different, but they all sit in the middle and they're all really long. So, you know, it's a dragster. <laughs> this guy got in a Ford Ranger that he had never been in before and there's, won $525,000. There's something to be said for that. That's a, that's a fair point. <laughs> how, how many Ford Rangers have won? Well, I know the answer. No yeah. Ford Ranger has won 525000 No race car has won $525,000 in one event. It's that point. 
Yeah, it just a, a testament to his talent. That was a Chevy-powered Ford Ranger for you front-drive distributor people out there, too. Just just so you know, let's get that out in the open. <laughs> simmer down. Simmer down, for guys. <laughs> it is. It's it's an incredible story. Um, it's a low-budget truck owned by Matt Dadis and his family. It's a truck that Gage, 19-year-old Gage Birch, had never sat in before. He starts the weekend with a runner-up in the first 50 grander. A runner-up, by the way, by two ten-thousandths of a second. I believe it was a breakout by less than a thousandth to Chris Bear. And then comes back, I guess the way that that went, maybe uh, 30-some-odd hours later to win the biggest purse in drag racing history. Again, 19-year-old driver in a Ford Ranger that he'd never sat in prior to that Wednesday. That's as impressive as it gets. Like, that is ultimately what our sport is all about right that's the parody exactly what it's about and it doesn't matter what the stakes are if you come from florida to michigan and get in a ford ranger i don't care if you want a grand saturday night at the local track because that's still hard to win it was impressive this kid gets in it and does it on the biggest stage in bracket racing thus far and and beats some all-stars some true legends in the sport, or at least future legends, if they aren't already, to get that $525,000 win in the Ford Ranger that belongs to Matt Dadis that he had never sat in before after yeah. he ran it up a 50. I mean, it's just, you, you can't say enough good things. We might as well quit talking about it. It's, it, it's been said uh, a nauseous level, if that even makes sense, because it's blasted across the internet and in the pits at every race. You can't say enough good things about it, but if you just summarize it, it's truly amazing, Luke. It really is. No doubt. It can't be overstated what was accomplished there. And nothing against the Datus machine. Like, that's a low-budget bracket car. Like, that's a car that if you listed all the cars entered in that race, it wouldn't be in the top 100 that you'd pick to win it. And yet, uh, obviously, uber-talented, but 19-year-old driver gets in it and wins the biggest race ever. And we'll get more on that. We're going to have Gage on with us shortly. But before we do, let's kind of put a nice bow on the weekend that was the unforgettable SFG 525. The other finalist, I don't even think we've mentioned his name yet, that Gage Birch defeated in the final round was none other than Johnny Ezell, a.k.a. Johnny Bracket Racer. Another claim that we can make here on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. We did start that. Okay. The whole JBR thing right here. So... Johnny Bracket Racer, runner-up in the richest event in drag racing history. Just to give an indication, I don't know the exact numbers on the splits. It's none of my business. It's probably none of your business listening. But by all accounts, Johnny won more money for this final round loss than he did for winning the original million a couple years ago. That just kind of puts this into perspective. We mentioned Chris Bear earlier. Chris Bear was the reason that Gage Birch didn't double up back-to-back. Chris Bear won that first 50 grander and was just, I didn't listen or sit on the fence for every round that Chris Bear ran, but every time I did hear it, he was sub 15 total, like just nasty all day and whatever. I think that race stretched over two days. It was a marathon. He was double O and dead on a bunch. Wins that 50 grander in his dragster. That race was on Thursday, I believe. And then follows that up on Sunday in the $50,000 to win finale and nearly duplicates the feat behind the wheel of 
his team's S10. He got to the semifinals before falling in that one in the truck. Wins in the dragster, semis in the truck. Very impressive performance. Also in the 525, obviously we had Gage Birch over Johnny Ezel in the final round. Relatively familiar name, Jake Coughlin Jr., semi-finalist, along with Will Holloman. Those were the two semis. Jeg getting to four in the 525, guy that bracket races maybe once a year. Pretty impressive. On the wheel of his Chevy 2, lost to Gage at four cars. Again, not going to get into details on the split, but it is my understanding that the last 15 remaining got paid and got paid handsomely. So congrats to all of those 15. The weekend closed with none other than Nasty Nick. Nasty Nick Hastings wins the last 50 grander of the weekend off the bottom in the T-1000. It's a year late. It's not really the year of the Chevette anymore, but close enough. Nasty Nick, not only does he win the 50 grander hitting the bottom, but the last three rounds to win 50 grand off the bottom where he's racing against cars and drivers utilizing the delay box, he beat a couple of guys that you may have heard of Quarterfinals, Scotty Richardson, using delay box, couldn't beat Nasty Nick off the foot. Semifinals, Chris Bear with the delay box, couldn't beat Nasty Nick off the foot. Final round, Doug Foley Jr. in a dragster with a delay box, couldn't beat Nasty Nick off the foot. That's yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah, Luke, I, I'm glad you cleared that up because it, it, you were saying off the bottom, and that can get misunderstood at times because he wasn't hitting the bottom. He was swapping feet, and that in itself is way more impressive than any other way that you could possibly lead the starting line if you're foot-breaking. And why, he foot-breaked why, why his way to a $50,000 win. Okay, I don't want to take anything away from Nasty Nick. Why is it so much harder to react to the bottom bulb with your right foot than it is with your right thumb? It's way more moving parts. You got twice as many moving parts when you're foot braking as you do when you're trans braking. And anytime you increase your moving parts by double, it's just harder. <laughs> okay, go. that's scientific breakdown. Now educated. It's, it's hard to argue with that, Big Jen. Other results from SFG 525. They had a ladies shootout, which had a huge turnout. I think there was. 50 lady entrance somewhere in that neighborhood the win in that went to erica baker got the win over Lindsay back side note erica had a big weekend in addition to winning the ladies shootout she also advanced to the split in the 525 i believe that she lost at 15 cars so big weekend for one erica baker and in a race that as of sunday of the sfg felt like it happened a month ago and as of now feels like it happened last season Kyle Coltrera opened the weekend with a $20,000 victory. Again, that was Wednesday, and by the time that we raced round the clock till Sunday, nobody remembered that, but I remembered that. So shouts to Kyle on yet another impressive victory. It's been a really impressive, what, half decade for that young man. Yeah, great performance again by Kyle. It did get overshadowed by by what happened behind it, but uh, really impressive, and especially the fact that when the gates open, you know, you see it on Facebook, the tremendously long lines and the wait to get your tech card. And people are already reporting on Wednesday that there's 600 plus entries there. Yet every one of my friends on Facebook left after that saying I'm headed to the 525 in Michigan. And so 
Obviously, that led to the large car count, but it's like 600 cars, no one in on Wednesday didn't seem to deter anyone that had plans to go. They still went, obviously ends up 7-Eleven. So really, uh, really big event. And um, as you said, we'll talk more about that. But congrats to those winners. Not only is it impressive to go out and win the races in talented fields, when you do it in fields that large, marathon style, it it adds element of uh, impressive to me. No question. I'm done gas bagging about this. You done gas bagging about this? Done. All right, let's get to the source. Next up, we're going to let's make in the big interview producer mark. The big interview with Gage Birch. It's time for the big interview on the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast with Luke and Jed. All right, as promised, uh, we've got a young man joining us that that we just teased you about that has accomplished a ton in our sport uh, at a very young age, obviously has a lot left to go. So we wouldn't begin to try to run down his list of accomplishments. The main thing that we called him for tonight to get him on the podcast to talk to us about is he just won the biggest payday in drag racing history, any form, anywhere, anytime. It is great to have the SFG 525 champion the man of the hour gage birch on the phone with us tonight gage how are you bud oh not too bad just just got my butt kicked at a wfc very home one race but uh pretty good <laughs> after that 525 yeah uh you know it's easy to take a butt kicking if you did get one i think there was uh some circumstances that it wasn't really it didn't really qualify as a butt kicking at the wfc for you i think you fell victim to circumstance time or two but Coming off a win like that, uh, we'll talk more about that stuff in a minute. But coming off a win like that has to kind of ease your mind for the rest of the season, doesn't it? I mean, you're 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 solid, right? I mean, you'd think so, but in a way, it kind of puts more pressure on you. Like you're expected to win more, I think. And I, it's just after something like that, I feel like uh, I might put more pressure on myself. Like I know I can do it, and I'm going to pressure myself to go forward and do more. Something tells me that's pretty much every week that you suit up, no matter what category gauge. So, um, <laughs> so you know, obviously you are you you shut down Facebook, you shut down the internet. Uh, gauge Birch, the the two names Gauge Birch has probably been said more times in the last ten days, or ever how long, eight days, whatever it's been, than it had all prior to that, even though you've accomplished a lot in our sport. So I don't think it's possible that many of our listeners won't know your story. Give us a brief history, how you started, basically who got you started, what you started in, and just kind of skip around and get us up to where you are now in racing. Right. So I uh, I started the race in junior jacksters when I was eight years old, and my parents both raced, and uh I always just go to the track with them, even as a kid, sleep on the back of the golf cart, and I guess soak up information, as they say. And uh, I just started at eight, when, and my parents started racing. And then when uh, we started taking juniors a little more seriously and traveling and stuff, my parents, uh, they couldn't really, I guess they couldn't swing it. So they uh, they just kind of stepped back, and we took it more seriously. And uh, it's kind of turned me into the person I am today. And when I turned 16 years old, I uh, I bought my Mustang from BJ, and uh, BJ Bianchi, he built that car and drove it all his life, and I ended up buying it, and uh, he always said it was going to be mine from 
when I was probably nine years old. And my dad would always talk about it, and I ended up buying it. And that's the car that's kind of just progressed me into the person I am today. And uh, that's just kind of led me to the SFG deal with uh, Matt because Matt Dadis, that's the person who owns the truck. And uh, I used to see him every year at WFC, and that's just kind of how we met. And he said I should come drive the truck in Ohio or something one time. Well, I ended up driving it in Michigan, and kind of just kind of just went off a little bit. And, yeah you did go off so kind of just a little bit (laughs) real quickly you 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 breezed over your history really well thank you for that but um tell the listener so when you are not traveling and winning the the biggest races in the category that you compete in you race where and you live in what part of the country i live in palmetto florida which a lot of people know it's uh, near Braden in Florida, and my home track is Braden and Motorsports Park, and that's where I race primarily. Where your skills were, were honed for the most part. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's plenty of great races that come out of there, and it's just a lot of people say if you can win there, you can win anywhere, and I think it's proves that for sure. Gage, obviously nothing that – anyone has won compares to what you just won it's the richest race in the history of of sportsman drag racing or history of drag racing period um but i want to kind of highlight the fact that you're not like new to winning like you've won your entire life but what coming into last weekend what was the biggest win of your career at least in your mind whether it's financially or uh oh man uh let me think i think honestly it was probably a probably emotionally and financially it'd be like new year's national so that was my first race back i put my car together and ended up winning 10 grand there so that kind of just boosted the year off and made it to where i could travel a little bit more and do a few more things yeah that was a good way to kick things off um yeah i'm, I'm curious about your decision to even attend the sfg 525 like when that flyer came out were you all in in making plans, saving money, like I'm going to be at that race or was it more of a, a last minute decision? How did that go? It was so last minute. Like, honestly, it was like probably two weeks before I was just, uh, I was, my girlfriend was talking about actually going to go run the female race and she's like, Oh, you should come and I can go over in the female race. And I think I was supposed to be on Wednesday or something. I was like, eh, that'd be cool. But if I'm going to go, I'm going to race. So I texted Matt and I was like, Hey man, I'm going to be up there anyways. And he wanted me to drive the truck sometime, and I think now's a good time. And he's like, yeah, man, come drive it. I'll get it ready. And uh, he put new tires and stuff on it literally the week before, and I ended up coming to drive it with two weeks' notice, and I thought that was pretty cool. I would. It definitely ended well. So just to clarify, I'm pretty sure I'm right on this, Like you had never sat in the truck prior to that Wednesday, correct? Never. Never in my life. <laughs> so to date, you've made one time trial in that in your life. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, well, I was doubled, so. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah two time trials. Get, get it straight. Uh, <laughs> the, week, the week starts with a runner-up finish by the slimmest of margins. I think you were uh, like two ten-thousandths of a second under in the final opposite Chris Bayer, correct? That's correct. So, obviously, that uh, is a great day. It's a huge payday. And... 
to kind of to your point earlier, you said you know win in the big event, like it kind of has the adverse effect. What you think it heightens expectations. I'm curious, what was your like outlook, your frame of mind going into the 525 a day after that runner-up? Is it just like a free roll at that point, or do you really feel like you've got an advantage because you've got more hits at the track than everybody else? Like, what was your thought process going into the big day? Well, on a big race weekend like that with no timers between days, I told Matt when we got there, I was like, I really want to do good the first or second day. So we have a lot more hits down the track. We know what it's going to do at night. We got the, I know what delay I need at night and there's this and that. And there's so much time between rounds. The more hits you get, the better, you know, because you got all hours of the day pretty much. Because I had, I don't know, I think I had like 16, 17 laps on the truck going into the 525. So I figured I was in pretty good shape with dialing it and stuff as long as I could let go on time I just felt like that kind of gave me an advantage and really that was just the only way to redeem myself after that 10 times I wonder what's the one the next day well you did that what um yeah <laughs> what I know like you're a young guy and it looks like you're in excellent shape. There's obviously at some point adrenaline takes over, but like you couldn't have had much sleep going into the 525. It, was there any level of fatigue? Oh, a hundred percent. My like, uh, every day, my first, I don't know if there's results posted or anything. I hope not. Cause like the first three rounds, I think I just drove by at 20 every round. And, uh, I just, I knew I wasn't catching it real good. I mean, I'd have my delay in VO, and I'd drive by at 20, drive by at 20, 18, 19. I'm like, I'm just not getting it. And then once the round started going back to back to back, it'd start, it'd start to come to me, and I'd catch it better. So definitely fatigue quite a factor, but you just got to know where you're at at all times, I guess, and play it right. Yeah, that self-awareness is huge, obviously. And I think uncommon, you know, at, at somebody your age. I know, I keep saying your age, like, you are probably the most experienced 19 year old in the history of drag racing so i don't think it's fair to say well you're right it's it's different <laughs> you know i get that but i thought what really what really stood out to me and again this was just watching from afar um some on the live feed a little bit at the fence um late rounds specifically in the 525 was just the savvy that you showed in terms of like don't take this the wrong way. The, the, the sad, like I'm supposed to be savvy. Like I got to bust out the old man game to get it done. You know what I mean? So <laughs> right. you, you, like it, it, when I was your age, like I was just going to buzz through everybody. Like you, you, I don't remember exactly. Like you ran the no box car at eight. Like there was a little bit of a staging fiasco. It's like you turned them both on at once. I assume that was by in, in, on intention and just everything that you did seemed very calculated. Can you, in your own words, kind of walk me through as far back as you want to go the last two, three, four rounds of the event, like what stood out to you? What were you trying to do and why? Oh, I mean, once you're guaranteed so much money, I was just out there to have fun. I mean, I didn't, I told Matt just go figure out the money for me eventually because I didn't really, I didn't really care at that point. I was like, we're just out here to have fun. So I started doing big burnouts and joking around and laughing about every round. And, um, just, it was just kind of surprisingly, it was less pressure for me than like a normal risk because I guess I was guaranteed so much. It didn't really matter if I lost or not. So I felt like that helped. And, uh, just, I mean, you've got all day and all night, and you got good people with you by your side, and you get good information from them about the people you're racing. You can use that to your advantage in the late rounds for sure. Whether it's stage in, finish line, or 
just how you approach it, whether you do your burnout first or whatever. It's, you never really know. Just figure it out yourself and just try to use it to your advantage. Yeah, I've seen Matt post uh, about the fun you guys were having round after round. There I was, let myself believe that, that you you know, you know guys wouldn't look each other in the eye and you was all nervous round after round. Uh, I've seen him talk uh, freely about just what a blast you guys were having between runs and cutting up and having fun. You know, that probably led to a lot of the calm nature that you showed to, to go out there and do what you did. And speaking of calm... So you're about to stage with Jay Coughlin Jr., one of the most decorated racers through the sportsman ranks and now obviously as a professional with what is being reported. We don't know the exact numbers, and again, none of our business or anyone's business, but with with nearly $100,000 on the line, uh, a win light versus a non-win light that round. What was that like, Gage? Oh, I mean... For sure, it did. It helped that I didn't know how much I was really staging for because Matt said other money for me. I was just kind of driving, and I don't know. You just got to go up there and do your thing. I don't really. A lot of people ask me that, but I didn't really think about it. You know, I just roll up there and just treat it like another Saturday night bracket race. Just out here doing my thing. Hopefully, about to turn on the wind light. Just got to do my job, and hopefully, it works out. And how did that run work out? Obviously, you won, but take us through it. Oh, I, that run, uh, it was starting to get real late in the night, and I think uh, I rolled up there, and I was just, it was getting real late. I think I was up for at least 11 hours, because I took a nap after the first round, but 11 hours, so I started to settle some, a little bit of fatigue, I started to see on the tickets, so. I think I pulled a little bit out that round. And uh, I ended up driving by at 8. I think he was 11 or 13, one of the two. And I ended up getting there a thousand to go. Uh, I was 15 total to 16 total. And uh, mm. it was just a good old-fashioned drag race, I guess. All truck <laughs> was there for me when they needed it. And, yeah. uh, it sounded like he uh, drove it well. Right, I mean... Like Matt told me the round before, he was I, he was not very good. He missed it, I guess. But I was like, no, I ain't. I'm not gonna stack the box or anything right here. You know, I know who I'm racing, and I know what I'm racing for. So if I drive by the fire red, I drive by the fire red. Yeah, well, obviously that strategy worked out to perfection, and you, you stayed aggressive. And you said it was starting to get late. I think it was starting to get late about three rounds before that, but. Uh, yeah, at that point, it was just starting to get early <laughs> yeah, again. Yeah, it was starting to get early. Exactly. Sun started coming up. <laughs> so, before we talk final round and how that played out, uh, what kind of what kind of time frame did the did the talk of the split delay things severely? Did somebody come to the table with what they had in mind? Let's go with it, or do you even know? Was Matt taking care of all that? Oh yeah. I mean, uh, the first round of the split, it took 30 minutes probably. It, it took a while because obviously there hasn't been that much in the pot. And a yeah. lot of people didn't really know what to do. Like, you can't really base it off a million because it's not that much. So it's it's kind of hard to just wrap your head around. And then there's a Byron involved and there's all this. And there's a lot of factors involved. And you just 
just try to kind of try to keep my cool even when it's that much time between rounds even that late you just try not to think about it too much and i think that helped me a lot with that and everybody around me how many minutes clicked off the clock between the semifinals and the finals oh i have no idea it felt like forever but it was probably only like 15 minutes <laughs> okay so a fairly normal amount of time so right. now I mean, you we didn't really have to talk it was yeah. kind of set from the first book yeah. Well, I was wondering that as well. So you're you're now in the final round in, in this truck that you've had a dominant performance in throughout the week, and you're facing a, a very decorated racer himself, Johnny Brackett Racer. We all know how much talent he has and what he's got on the, the shelf as far as hardware. Uh, and we all know his strategy is a little different than a lot of the guys that are, are winning the big races. So does that change anything for you? Is your final round strategy the same as it has been? Uh, if so, tell us about the race, and and we'll talk more about some other things after you get through telling us about that. Oh, I mean, you can just see by the dial. I think he dialed down 700 for the final or something like that, and I obviously expect it because I'm just a slow, dark car, but I just figured uh, it's going to be a little bit more pressure on him because I got wide open wide open runs late, so I know exactly where I can go. He's just going to try to basically got to do the math and try to hopefully hit it with the truck being that late. And I knew the truck didn't really matter on the track. Actually, when the when the deuce started to set in, the track started getting worse, the truck started picking up. We were making jokes about it getting wheel speed and picking up. But, uh, yeah, I mean, my buddy, uh, one of my idols, Gary Williams, he always he's always preached that just use whatever got you there. If it got you there, it's probably going to shine that last lamp, and sure enough, it did. Very good advice. How'd the race play out? Take us through the numbers. Uh, I missed a little. I was 15, but uh, he was 10. Luckily, he wasn't low. And uh, we're just, I'm just riding it down the track, <laughs> making me a time run. And uh, he ended up getting behind. I, I talked to him after running. I don't think he could run it. So he said he just covered it down a little bit. But I think with the late track conditions, I just had the tool for the job, and he ended up, uh, I think he shook, he uh, chattered the tire a little bit through the middle, and he's only going like one above, so just yeah. glad I had the vehicle I did at that point in the night. Obviously, so now your wind light comes on, what's the first thought that goes through your head? Man, I just, I just kind of froze for a minute. I didn't really think anything, and I was like, I just looked at it and I was like, man, is that really like, did that really just happen? Is that on? And I was, <laughs> I just sat there and I was thinking like, holy crap, this just really just happened. And then I, all of a sudden I just put the brake to the floor and just started backing up <laughs> instinct. That, yeah. Seen the videos. That was a cool celebration as you, you got stopped there with Matt. Uh, can you explain or describe the emotions gauge that that you were feeling uh, at the time? Maybe immediately. Maybe it hit you as you laid down to go to bed. If you even went to bed, I mean, can you can you describe that at all? I think I don't think the emotion really hit me until I parked the truck on the start line and I got out and everybody was just so excited, hugging me, and telling me good job, and high fives everywhere, and people I haven't even met just coming up just congratulating me and people were it was just 
it made it feel really good that I made the people around me happy that I did something like that. Like I won and it made everybody's night. I felt like that was really special to me and that was a really cool deal. Was it most is it most special that you won the first one of its kind or was it most special I mean obviously you try to win big races for the financial Im, uh, impact that it'll make. Was it most special because of that or just that I did it first and nobody else will ever do it first? I think it's special just because it's the highest paying bracket race ever for probably not for too long, but for a little bit amount of time I'll have that. And I think that's really cool to do at 19 years old. Yeah. Uh, really cool is a is a term a nineteen year old would use. I don't even know if you can put words to it, Gage. It's a, <laughs> it's it's really unbelievable uh, what you accomplished and uh, you're being celebrated across the land and throughout the racing pits and staging lanes as well. You should be. Um, congratulations on on something that will truly go down in the the history books as uh, incredible. Right, thank you very much. I mean, my dad tells me, I think he's told me every day so far since I won, he's like, did you realize what you did? I'm just like, no, not really. Kind of he's like, man, you did something. You shocked the world. And it just, it seems unreal. It really hasn't hit me yet, but I think it's starting to. You know, I think the greats and Luke is going to be, and not trying to blow smoke up his skirt because I really don't like him that much, but uh, he'll go down as one of the greats. I think the greats never really realize what they've done. I think that's uh that is a characteristic of, of the greats. They they never really think about what they've done, they think about what they're about to do. So right, I, exactly, just on to the next one. <laughs> yep. I agree. Well man, again, congratulations on something that you know, you won't ever get to do again, not win that kind of money, but you won't ever get to win the first one. So that's pretty special, and all the circumstances around it, how you got there, when you got there, what you got there in, that's, uh, that's all. It's an incredible story, and, and one day you'll reflect back on it and know how special it is. I don't know if you if you get it for a little while, but that's okay, too. But congratulations on that, Gage, and that's uh, truly special. Thank you so much. I mean, it's pretty cool for sure. I'm sure... Uh... I think the first million winner was TJ Tracy in 96, but he's probably still thinking about it, and that's pretty cool for him, too. No doubt about it. Everybody that's ever won something like that will know that feeling, what, what they what they felt when it happened forever. So truly special, and we appreciate you coming on uh, the podcast with us and sharing it, but if you've ever listened, maybe a 19-year-old don't have a whole lot of time to listen, but... If you've ever listened, you know we're not done. Uh, there's this little thing we call rapid fire. Where oh, boy. <laughs> we're going to ask you five questions, and you give us an abbreviated version, or you can stretch it out if you want to. But it's, it's just simple stuff we like to know about people, and it helps us get to know you just a little bit better. You up for that? All right. Yeah, I'm ready. Uh, you pick the race. It's it's Gage Birch's call for whatever purse, whatever length, whatever. Top bulb or bottom bulb? Bottom bulb. I love you, Gage. Uh, <laughs> is there a song that gets you pumped up? I mean, when you need that extra something, to, is there a go-to song? No, honestly, not really. I, just, uh, I don't really have a song that pumps me up like that. I, 
I don't know. Not a lot of things pump me up, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> you you sound pretty chill. I'll give you that. Yeah. Uh, that would, <laughs> which is probably a great characteristic late in the rounds of a race that pays 525 grand to win. Um, Gage, if you could change one thing about your personal appearance, what would it be? Um, I don't think I'd change anything. I was meant to be like this, and this song going to be a first in my life, so I might as well make the best of it. Ooh, mm. that's a that's, a, that's yeah. the best answer I've heard. Okay. That's a that's a grown up response. Well done. Maybe you'll have one for this question too, because I just got to know. Um, I don't know <laughs> if everybody wants to know, but I sure do. Do you like Jordan Wack? Oh yeah, he's my best friend. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I just like, I think no, I understand that. I mean, I've never met him. I don't have a problem with him. I think he's a he's a jokester for sure. He yeah. don't. Uh, he's usually never serious and. I think that's pretty cool because I'm not really serious most of the time either. So, yeah. uh, there's people think there's bad blood, but I mean I don't hate him. He kind of just, in a way, he kind of just pushes me to do better. So that's how I take it anyway. Uh, shouts to Jordan White for the motivation. <laughs> I don't think it. we're gonna forget that. All right, last one. Wait to get text. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Gage Birch's favorite superhero is. Batman for sure. Oh, like no question, no hesitation in that answer, big kid. Nah, he knew it. It's like he was prepared. Batman. No, he wasn't. Nobody's cooler than Batman, and nobody in racing is cooler than Gage Birch. Gage, again, congrats on an amazing weekend or week at the racetrack, but especially the the five twenty five win. Can't thank you enough again for. Uh, first of all, coming to WFC right behind that. Um, after a marathon, you came race with us, enjoyed having you there. But thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing your story with us and letting people get to know you just a little bit better. We truly appreciate it. I appreciate you guys having me on and letting me share with everybody the awesome experience I had. Not a problem, man. So um, it's 951 it's your house, so I'm sure you still got three or four hours away playing, you know, whatever, whatever game online <laughs> with your friends or whatever. I'm kidding, man. I know you're, I know you're grown up. And you're <laughs> like one too. Have a great night, Gabe. Right. Appreciate you coming on, and sharing it. Can't wait to come have you come back and share your next big win with us. Thank you, guys. I'll come back sooner or later. All right, man. Have a great night. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available. Subscribe. And you can do that on Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day. BTE is one of a few full-service transmission companies with a full array of manufacturing and testing capabilities. Their in-house CNC facility is paired with an extensive collection of gear hobbing and shaping machines to produce any high-performance driveline product. From, From inception, BTE's racing products are designed, prototyped, field tested, produced, inspected, and even shipped 
by real racers. Just outside of Memphis, Tennessee, their warehouse and manufacturing facility in Mount Pleasant, Mississippi, is stocked with thousands of parts and centrally located in the United States for fast delivery anywhere. The IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular's next stop is in Martin, Michigan at US 131 Motorsports Park, bringing $5,000 payouts both Saturday and Sunday for both the top electronics category and the mod no-box category for only $150. Along with that terrific value, the Summit Sportsman Spectacular will feature a sportsman class, motorcycles, and junior dragsters, so there's something for everyone. There will be round prizes, golf cart race, and a racer appreciation cookout. Come on out to US 131 this weekend, July the 12th or the 14th, to see what all the Summit Sportsman Spectacular is all about. Big Jed, as we have a tendency to do here on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, here on episode 137, we buried the lead. You just got done with the world's greatest footbrake race, World Footbrake Challenge, number 12? 13. 13. See, that's how far I have. I'm a year off. That's not bad. It's pretty close, really. Break it down for us. What went on over the weekend in Bristol? Well, look, based on pre-entries, we knew that we were going to get a, a, a large crowd, and it was going to threaten our record of 459 entries, which we set several years ago. The forecast was looking a little iffy, you know, 50 60% chance of rain every day. We understand in the business that you and I are in, that just means it might or it might not, but to your average Saturday night racer, uh, that's something that, that typically scares them off. So I thought that we might see a little fallback in refunds, but there was very little of that, which told us then that uh, everybody had high spirits and high hopes and trusted us to do everything we could to get the racing in. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, a large crowd showed up. We could tell Wednesday that uh, there was a lot of people trying to get in and park and that the crowd was going to be big. Thursday saw the, the largest test in tune that we've had for a WFC. It saw the largest gambler's race that we've had for a WFC. We don't allow double entries in our gambler's race at uh, Bristol, and we had 234 entries of all single type. It was uh, a driver couldn't drive two cars, couldn't drive the same car twice. So it was one driver, one car. Had 234 of those thursday which was a very large gamblers race we're typically in the 140 range it was somewhat of a marathon day you know just like we just talked to gage birch you know you'd think the young guys are going to dominate this thing in the heat in this big field and they did 63 year old jimmy reeves took the win (laughs) in thursday's gamblers (laughs) over jerry hunt jimmy driving his ford fairlane a nice high 650 had it stuck to the racetrack, and he got the the marathon win about midnight or so Thursday night over Jerry Hunt. Jimmy all but uh, but passed, left the earth back in early September with a tremendous health challenge, and uh, they got him revived and brought back to good enough health that he could come race with us, and he showed out. So that was pretty darn impressive right there for Jimmy, and we get into Friday, and uh, we, we give a time trial and run the race and end up 476 entries strong, which was a new record for new us. Record. Yeah, that was uh, pretty impressive that the footbreakers showed up like they did. And a guy that's collected a big check there before, Josh Epperson, which uh, I know you, you follow close enough that you know Josh has turned on quite a few final round win lights this year. 
been driving really good. Got the win over my buddy Chad Brewer. Chad come up from Georgia, uh, typically runs NMCA stuff, but been foot breaking more and more. And got himself a $10,000 runner-up, which was a big deal for him as well. That wrapped us up on Friday. Get into Saturday, and uh, the rain chances uh, increased, and you know we just had to hope for the best. And unfortunately, we were interrupted with uh, pretty good rain about midday there that held us up for a while and got another little sprinkle or so in the evening but we managed to get saturday's 10k which set a new record of 484 entries down to 22 remaining entries at curfew which actually was about 12:45, but we knew we couldn't complete another round when curfews at one so we decided we would finish those 22 in conjunction with a what we knew would be a large round one in on sunday's 10k and uh we did that and again this was you know that's true to a marathon that's all day saturday sitting around waiting the heat dealing with that running the curfew and then you finish that halfway through the morning on sunday so you know a young guy is going to win that one for sure it's a young man's game right? it is a young man's game especially foot break so gage uh, no it wasn't gage birch it was jimmy reeves again uh 63 years and a day older than he was or a day and a half older than he was on thursday got the win again collected a ten thousand dollar payday over seth phillips which seth is a multi-time finalist at the wfc and one of the, the most talented foot breakers in the game and jimmy reeves collected his second big check of the week which was uh, again ultra impressive uh, just all around good guy had a lot of people there celebrating with him happy for him and uh, that took us into sunday loop where we had our final 10k of the the week and you know it's a grueling week people are tired they're worn out we've run them to curfew every night we've run them in the heat so a young guy is definitely going to win Sunday because the old guys are spent. They, they, you know, Jimmy Reeves is sixty-three and done one twice, so the old guys are spent. So it's a young man's game. It is a young man's game. So Adam, da- no, it wasn't Adam Davis. I'm looking at now it was Terry Nyman, which is only sixty-eight years old, got the win on Sunday's ten k over Double O David Bell, a guy we're all very familiar with on the bottom has won tons and tons. Terry Nyman raced the car that he's raced since 1970. Yeah, that was a year before I was born, and I feel like I'm pretty old. Racing the same car, 68 years old. He had triple bypass within the last year, and he come out and kicked everybody's butt in the heat in the marathon and got the win about 8.45 or so Sunday night over David Bell. So it's a young man's game for sure. I will say that, and I always say that, but these older guys, they can get it done. They showed it. Uh, Josh Epperson, the lone guy that uh, is not on Social Security, getting a big payday at the WFC. So, Luke, it was it was crazy week. Huge crowd again, 456 on Sunday. So, set the record at 484. Just BT, our title sponsor, been with us all 13 years. Can't thank them enough. All the great round prize sponsors, the support from the racers, and uh, Bristol staff worked extremely hard. Can't thank our host facility mo- any more than we, we did over the weekend. All around, great event. We had uh, Ryan Gleghorn and uh, Jake Hodge 
tag team in the action. You got to you got to go into this for anybody that missed it. I managed to miss this over the weekend. You guys made me watch it pre-show. Just I can't do it justice. Tease this. Yeah, so <laughs> Gleghorn and Hodge get the idea that we get to talking about Michael Beard trying to announce his own run in his Turismo at a Spring Fling event way back when. And he it was thousand foot racing. Yeah. yeah, it was thousand foot racing at the time. He's got the cordless out there taking us, you know, second by second, literally, in the run. He got about seven, 800 feet, and the, the mic petered out. So we, we couldn't really hear everything that he said. But So Gleghorn and Hodge get the idea that they're going to put a cell phone in Gleghorn's helmet. He's racing, and he's going to call Hodge, and Hodge is going to put the microphone up to the phone and let everybody hear the run. Now, he's going, like, he's about 708. So... You know, he, he's serious racing out there, rolling it deep, a lot of stuff going on. So he he channels his inner hot rod pincham and calls the race. He, he tells us, I'm rolling it deep, I've turned the stage bulb out, and then he goes through the entire run, you know, literally action by action. And it it's epic. I know it's probably all over the place, and it, I know like nearly 100,000 people had seen it today when I last heard, but you can find it on Drag Coverage's Facebook page. Go to Drag Coverage on Facebook, check it out. Uh, you might have to dig a little bit, but check out that run, and if you only watch that once, you are the biggest footy dud on earth. I have watched it. <laughs> I've watched it seven times. <laughs> and I, I'm probably going to watch it again in a little bit just because I'm talking about it. But Hodge did it, too, later, and I think that's recorded somewhere. But no offense to him, it was really good. But he was in a race car going 580-something. Couldn't really hear that well. <laughs> <laughs> Gleghorn was in an S10 truck that's got a little bit of muffle to it, so you could hear him really well. And, boy, did he call an epic epic is the right word if you haven't listened to that check it out in fact producer mark we'll see if we can pull some strings maybe we can close this episode with the audio of that i think you'll get the idea if you haven't heard it already oh my gosh it was so good and you know it makes me want to do it at a race that i'm at and jj actually said can we do it at luke's race or can you do it at luke's race (laughs) in a couple of weeks and i told him we'll we'll figure all that out but nobody's going to match what gleghorn did so it makes me not want to do it at the same time but it was really cool so y'all go check it out what is it they say about like a big job you don't want to be the guy that follows the guy yeah yeah Leghorn's the guy right now yeah nobody wants to coach behind nick saban and nobody's gonna want to follow that behind (laughs) Leghorn. i get it so outside of that luke it was an amazing event again set a record but probably the most exciting thing for steve and i was that we let out the worst-kept secret in foot brake racing, and that is the unveiling of our flyer for the Labor Day 100K, which we will have it. Uh, it'll have a calling. It'll, that's got it'll a have nice a, ring to it. Yeah, that's, uh, the, it'll, the tagline will just be the 100, quote-unquote. But the Labor Day 100K, uh, BT is, again, the title sponsor to that event. We thank them for their support. They're always willing to help us any way they can. And Luke, it'll be a hundred thousand dollar win, guaranteed purse, foot break only event at Bristol Dragway, Labor Day twenty twenty. That's fourteen months away. A little different than what we've done in the past, but a lot of the same things 
as well. Uh, it'll be a pre-entry race where you can pre-enter, but you don't have to. There'll be a gate price too. And you will uh, pre-enter the 100K only. It's going to have 10 granders on either side of it Friday and Sunday. You'll enter those at the gate. Main thing we need to do is get people involved and interested in the 100K itself. And that flyer is uh, kind of traveling across Facebook right now, which is our primary marketing tool. That's where we do all of our promotion. And getting a great response. Uh, I, I told Steve when we unveiled it that I thought we might have four or five people go ahead and sign up, just want to be a part of it. We had 22 at the race. Uh, nice. 20, yeah, 22 people paid their way into the 100K, and that's got us excited. We this are is, going to, I mean, I'm not missing something here. This is by far and away the richest footbreak-only event in history. Like it, the, the next richest was your 50 grand original wfc right well uh george howard did a hundred thousand dollar win foot rate race oh, i was there based yep. on car count uh so you know that it was a thousand dollar entry there was 80 cars it paid eighty thousand to win uh dan okay. smith uh from over in your neck of the woods got that win and uh, my cousin ricky rounded up that was a huge day in foot brake racing and we're gonna go huger uh, this is a hundred thousand dollars guaranteed if 13 or if those 22 people that signed up are only ones that show up and 22 people are going to race for 100k on top so i mean on the bottom uh, but 100,000 on top of the purse is what i meant but so it's going to be a huge groundbreaking history making day for foot brake racers steve and i felt like the timing is right uh, all these big races coming out on top and i think some foot brake racers had the feeling what about us and We've been wanting to do something big for them now for a couple of years, and Michael Beard and Anthony Walton are doing great things for foot break with some really big purses, and uh, as I stated in our unveiling of the flyer that we're not trying to one-up anybody. We just want to be a part of something special, and we want to help make foot break history, and somebody is really going to um, accomplish foot break immortality with a $100,000 win swapping feet. And it might be one of those old dudes that collected those big checks at the WFC, or it might be a young gun. But I hope there's a nice mixture of both and see who comes out on top. We'll get to talk plenty more about that in the next 14 months. I know that's a long way away. But quickly, I'll tell you that we're taking the first 50 pre-entries, and we will draw for a free entry out of those 50 names to get you a second one or give it to someone or whatever you want to do with it. But the first 50 pre-entries, and we're at 22 will be drawn for a free entry, and we'll do that every 50 entries after. So just to keep the interest up and, and give some kind of reward for those first 50 and the next 50 and the next 50, you can contact me to get that done. Reach out to me anywhere. Facebook's the easiest way. Pretty exciting week for us, Luke. Set a record for the WFC attendance and got to announce the Labor Day 100K that flyer's floating around. Uh, we'll have it on our WFC uh, website soon, and it is on our Facebook page. So really exciting week. I'm worn out, but it was all worth every minute of it as a lot of special things happened in Bristol last week. 
No doubt. And congratulations to you, to Steve, on hosting yet another successful World Footbreak Challenge. Congratulations on it being the biggest one ever. Congratulations on the big announcement. I'm excited about that race. I assume most of our listeners are as well. And of course, congratulations to all those young whippersnappers that got (laughs) it done at this year's WFC. Big Jed, I feel like you and Stone Cold are red hot coming off the heels of another great world foot break challenge (laughs) i don't know if you're quite as hot as this week's recipient of the bte who's hot he's on fire it's time for who's hot in sportsman drag racing bte builds products that you can depend on whether it's a complete top dragster or top sportsman power glide transmission a torque converter for your specific combination, or any transmission component or bolt-on item, the folks at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed in today's ultra-competitive world of sportsman drag racing. Shop online at bteracing.com. Now, Luke, that was an amazing segue that you did as far as Steve and I being hot and then transition to the BTE shot. But, I mean, obviously... Gage Birch won the biggest race that's ever been, the biggest purse ever been held, but I'm not sure that this is not our hottest performance ever. This guy is truly on fire. It's off the charts because we could easily, like you said, give this week's Who's Hot to Gage Birch. He won the richest race in drag racing history, like less than a day removed from being runner up in a 50 grander. It's impressive, right? We could give this to Doug Foley Jr. We typically would. Foley runnered up to Nasty, Nasty Nick Hastings on the last day of the SFG 525. That was a 50 grander. Less than a week later, he rolled into Byron Dragway and won the first 30 grander. That's impressive. With those two performances in mind, this week's BT Who's Hot wasn't close. We mentioned earlier Gage Birch's final round opponent at the richest event in drag racing history, the SFG 525, none other than Johnny Brackett Racer. And we mentioned that Johnny's windfall at the 525 was huge financially. Obviously, runner-up in a race space, half a million dollars to win. Johnny wasn't done. Johnny left Martin, Michigan on sometime Sunday evening, Monday, I don't know when they left, and drove to Dallas, Texas, Ennis, Texas, to be exact, in the Texas Motorplex, where on... Thursday, July 4th, Independence Day, they hosted a $1,000 entry, 64-car shootout, $50,000 to win. Now, I don't know the details. I don't know exactly how a 64-car shootout fell to three cars, but a 64-car shootout fell to three cars. And of those three cars, Johnny Ezell was two of them. Johnny Ezell dropped one of those entries at three and then defeated Frank Kutek in the final for $50,000, less than a week removed from runner and upper race that paid $525,000. Now, impressive enough as it is, right? The very next day at the same racetrack, the Texas Motorplex, Ennis, Texas, Johnny goes on to win the $15,000 main event. So it is three finals, including, you know, the little dessert piece, fifteen grand, $50,000 win the day before, $525,000 runner-up the week prior. Yeah. Johnny Brackett Racer, this week's BTE Who's Hot. And keep in mind, that's on the heels of a $30,000 win at Sprinkling Million. Just in a one-week span, Johnny's had an excellent season. And I have this feeling that there's more to come. Yeah, I interviewed Johnny, obviously, in the winner's circle at Vegas at the Sprinkling Million, coming off his $30,000 win. He 
he poor mouthed a little bit that he hasn't had the season that he expected to have and things had started slowly and he hoped that turned things around. Well, Johnny Brackett Racer, I would say you're officially turned around. I I read somewhere online, I don't know exactly what I read, but maybe Johnny's won two hundred and five thousand this year or two hundred and five thousand in the last, I don't know, week, week and a half. Whatever it was. I mean, he has won a career's worth of $100 bills in a very short period this year. So my question, Luke, is if you're running Johnny Bracket Racer in a final round from this point on, do you even ask him or do you just assume, I mean, he ain't doing nothing? I'll ask. I'm, I'm not that funny. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess you got to ask, but. It'll be interesting to see if that changes Johnny's strategy, and I doubt it will because he's a pretty good guy. If you're just judging him off of what you know about him on the racetrack, you might have an opinion of him, but sit down and talk to Johnny Brackett Racer a little bit. You know he's a good dude, and I'm sure he'll be willing to work with you, so go ahead and I can't even... I don't even know who to credit it to. I think this came from SFG 525, and they had quite the announcing team up there. So I'm going to give credit to Hank Mulligan, but I'm not sure that that's where it belongs. It might have been Gleghorn. It might have been one of the others. But Johnny dropped somebody on his head, and the the line was the brake pedal in Johnny Ezell's dragster just got a whole lot of cowboy boot. <laughs> and I like that a lot. I like that, that- a lot. That might have been Hank, but it sure sounds like Gleghorn. <laughs> it may have very well been. And he had a he had Gleghorn had a really nice ending to his video too. So make sure you listen to it all the way through when y'all go find it. <laughs> anyway, Luke, that uh, that was not the only winner there at uh, the the Motorplex in Ennis. Johnny was obviously the the talk of the the event and the big winner. But they had a five k no box shootout where Justin Cervantes and uh, Luke, I know you probably don't know Justin very well. Uh, he got the win over Terry Allen, but you might remember hearing Cervantes talk about any results quite a bit here on this, the podcast this season. The Cervantes boys get after it, and Justin with another big win. They don't mess around. They are tough, tough racers. So congratulations to he. As you said, Johnny Brackett Racer got that 15K win over Heath Fountain. Uh, 7,500 no box win went to Robbie Mullins. Robbie, uh, I believe, collected a 15K payday last year at uh, Galen Rollison's uh, footbreak 150. So nice victory there for Robbie Mullins. Another big check on his wall. Got the win over Jeremy Falkenbach. Watch your mouth. Be careful there. But Jeremy Falkenbach, another tough racer from over in Texas. A 15K win went to Kyle Gibson. And a 7,500 no-box win went to uh, Cody Adcox. So big race there the 4th of July under the lights at the Motorplex. Johnny Brackett racer, the man of the hour again, but some big winners there also added to the list. So congrats to all those guys. Yeah, no question. We'll move on to the race that I was at last weekend. That was the Firecracker Bracket Nationals up at Byron Dragway, Byron, Illinois, highlighted by a $100,000 to win Saturday main event. And yes, we are at an age in sportsman drag, sportsman drag racing where, oh God, I mean, <laughs> unbelievable. We'll get more on that next episode. But, Big Jed, this was a, a group of racers. Now, granted, I, I think for the most part, they weren't swapping feet on the bottom. But this was a group of racers after your heart because 
this event that was open to uh, door cars and dragsters, box and no box, was dominated by the bottom bone crowd. And those uh, that are familiar with that area know that that's not a huge surprise. The bottom bone crowd, specific to Byron and really the surrounding tracks, is a it's a, it's a hotbed for no box, specifically bracket racing. But the no boxers showed out in the $100,000 to win main event. The winner was a young man by the name of Jeremy Bousman. That is a no box car, or more, more uh, accurately, a no box truck. Not only did Jeremy Bousman roll through the no-box field, which I believe put him in the overall semifinal, so that would be the door car final. So in order to win the $100,000, I'm, I'm sorry, I know, the, I know now as I think about it, Jeremy Bousman advanced to the quarterfinal round and had to beat nothing but box cars the rest of the way. Okay, so that's three rounds where he's got to defeat box cars. As if that weren't impressive enough, in that quarterfinal round, he defeated Bryce Miller, who is a local standout, has won a bunch of money in the Byron, Great Lakes area, Brainerd area over the course of the last two, three years. Uh, took care of that, okay? Advances to the semifinals, where he meets up with a guy that you might have heard of, Scotty Richardson, who again had a delay box. Jeremy Bousman got that win to advance to the final, where you think, whew, all right, I just beat Scotty. Things are going to get easier. Waiting in the final, Gary Williams. Jeremy Bowes, without a delay box, in a get-up truck, gets that win light as well. So not only do you win three consecutive rounds for $100,000 against the boxcars after treading through what is one of the deepest and most talented field of no-box racers even to get to that point, for the last two rounds of competition, you beat arguably two of, if not the two most decorated big-dollar bracket racers of all time. Pretty impressive for Jeremy Bousman. The weekend was bookended with a pair of $30,000 to win events. I'll go to Sunday's race first, where yet another bottom bulber, Miss Cameron Mason, got the win in her uh, pink Camaro with a final round victory, again, off the bottom, in a door car, over a dragster on the top, driven by none other than two-time million-dollar race winner Gary Williams. Huge weekend for G-Dub. Made two finals, lost to two no-box cars. So, shouts to Cameron Mason and Jeremy Bousman. And without question, it was a bottom ball weekend at Byron. Because on Friday's race, Doug Foley Jr. got the win over David Davis. And you go, wait a second, Luke. I know Doug Foley Jr. You just talked about him from the Martin SFG race. That's a dragster. And David Davis has been in a number of big dollar final rounds over the course of last year, that's a box equipped Camaro. And you would be right. But my theory on this is that <clears throat> Doug Foley Jr. knew it's bottom bulb country. And he might have had a suspicion that bottom bulbers were going to win the $100,000 main event the next day. The $30,000 main event that closed the weekend. And Doug didn't want to be left out. So what Doug did was stage, set the trans break just like normal, except Doug decided to let go of it. Before the tree came on, which for most of us would just spell defeat, not for Doug Foley. Quick thinking, hey, I'll just foot brake. He's 23 on the tree. His car's slow because he wasn't on the chip. He's foot braking. He's three above. David Davis goes a couple that wonder. Doug Foley wins. Might be the only $30,000 winner that I've ever heard of foot braking a dragster in the final round. Now, if anyone is equipped to do this, it would be Doug Foley Jr. If you are aware of his background, 
That is the Doug Foley School of Drag Racing, right? That's his father, I believe. So what Doug does, like, for a living is footbrake a two-seat dragster with multiple passengers. Like, I've heard stories of 40, 50 runs a day. There's no one that has footbraked a dragster more often than Doug Foley Jr. That practice came in very handy. As I told him at the race, dude, really poor job of letting go on, like, nothing. Throw that out after that. Really good job of winning 30 grand. Pretty impressive. I, I know personally I would not have had the presence of mind to do that. Doug did, and it just continued, or set the trend, I guess, for what was a no box weekend up at byron very impressive uh, to react that quickly uh, is almost brad plourd like but doug foley Ooh, you, jr you've you got to sneak an alabama reference in there i like it it's a man crush but doug foley jr really to have the uh, awareness to do that is very impressive no matter how many times you've gone to the line intending to foot break and making a decent lap when you go to the line not intending a foot brake and you end up doing it and making a decent lap, very impressive. And I certainly don't mean to diminish the skills of the no-box racer. That's a difficult task as well, and there's a ton of talent, especially in that part of the country. And what Jeremy Bousman and Cameron Mason accomplished is really phenomenal, especially the competition that they were facing in the other lane. So. I uh, really love these results from the Firecracker Bracket Nationals and knowing that uh, Bottom Bulb was so well represented and ultimately uh, crowned as champion. So great job to all you Bottom Bulbers. A right, couple races to breeze through quickly and we'll wrap things up, Big Jed. The event formerly known as the 10 Tuck, currently known as the 10G at BG. That was the big dollar races at Bowling Green, Kentucky over the weekend. Had some weather Friday. They combined. They ran two 10 Granders. Saturday, big winners there were Jeremy, my buddy, your buddy, the people's buddy, Jeremy yep, okay. Jensen. Got the win over Neon Leon Robertson in the final round. And that was in race one. In race two, it was Brian Knight over Chris Barlow. And in the Sunday finale, Chris Johnson, familiar name for uh, East Tennessee racers, got the uh, 10K win over Caleb Redeker. NHRA competition went to New England Dragway. That's Epping, New Hampshire for the national event there. Not a ton stood out from that event. The big story without question was Ken Moses getting the double victory. Ken got the Wally in both Top Dragster and Super Comp. Became the 26th different driver to double at an NHRA national event in now the 40th occurrence of that happening. So again, it's happened 40 times by 26 different drivers now including Ken Moses. A couple of notes from the results there. My man Iggy, Iggy Boyshesko, got the win in Super Gas. Byron Warner, former NHRA World Champion, winner in Super Stock. And Kyle Bigley, reigning Division I NHRA Super Comp champ, runner-up to Ken Moses in the Super Comp category. Yeah, Luke, there was a Lucas Oil race at Indy at uh, Lucas Oil Raceway, uh, Division Three event there and. Quickly, just some things of note, top sportsman Jerry Albert got the win over your boy Lester Johnson, fast Lester. Top dragster was a member of the Jegs camp, Mike Coughlin, getting a win over Brian Keller. Did you see the new paint scheme on Mike car? I I mean, that's simple. I know they're the yellow and black, but I really like that. It looks sharp. Yeah, I dig it. Super gas was Tim Gillespie over Rodney Benson. Super comp was Steve Eckerd over Chuck Ridenauer. Stock was Jim Cakel over Bo Fowler. And super stock was Brianna Kelly over Chuck Bellinger. 
So, Luke, that wraps up the results. Why don't we uh, come back and tell them real quickly what's on tap. Honey, where are we racing next week? It's time to discuss next week's major events, news, updates, releases, and announcements. It's What's on Tap! As always, this time of year, Luke, there's something on the racing schedule for everyone, and uh, that'll start out here in Montgomery, Alabama at Montgomery Raceway Park in the Super 7 Series. Nice uh, bracket event down there, July the 12th through the 14th, down here in uh, central Alabama. Also, the same weekend, the Quaker 510-5 at Quaker City Motorsports Park in Salem, Ohio will happen. I've been there. It's a nice facility, so those of you up in that area, get out and enjoy some uh, good money bracket racing at a local track. Same weekend, IHRA Sportsman Spectacular, which we talked about a little earlier at US 131 Motorsports Park in Martin, Michigan. That's a great event. Hopefully, uh, that's a nice big race there for the IHRA folks and uh, keep showing off that Sportsman Spectacular model that they've built. Same weekend, July 12th through the 14th, NHRA Division Three race at Route 66. I'll be there. Really? Really? Oh, good for you. Hopefully you do well. July, the the week before your race, and you're going racing. See, I always take that week off or try to, but whatever. You're just smarter than I am. No, you're just way more organized than me. July the 12th through the 14th, same weekend, NHRA Division Four Lucas Oil Race at Thunder Valley in uh, Oklahoma. And July the 12th through the 14th, NHRA Division Six race at Woodburn Drag Strip, which I have visited just passing through in um, Woodburn, Oregon. Beautiful place up there. So, guys, plenty of racing available to you. Get on out there and participate July the 12th through the 14th. Big week on the racing schedule. And that pretty much wraps us up, Luke. This episode of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast is number 137, and it is done. Thanks to our great sponsors, the IHRA and the fine folks at BTE. And, I mean, we've only talked for two and a half days on this podcast, so I bet your shout list is very impressive. I think I got it trimmed up pretty good. I will give shouts to Chet Dragon just because that's going to be a recurring thing. You're just going to have to get used to it. I hope you like it. Uh, shouts to all the racers out there drawing currently, drawing Social Security. The, this year's WFC tells you, get on out there. You <laughs> yeah. you can do it, right? Take that check and enter, baby. Also, like, significant hope for Brandon Taylor and any other racers have gone through open heart surgery. Sounds like that's a thing. Yep. Right? Congratulations, Brandon. You're about to go on a tear. There you go. On a more serious note, Brandon, if you're listening, a friend of the podcast, we are thinking about you, bud. Get well soon. Shouts to Jordan White for the encouragement. <laughs> That was coming. Shouts to Huger and the guaranteed 100K. Shouts yeah. also related to Biggerest. Uh, shouts to Jeremy Falkenbach. Shouts to Watch your the, mouth. yeah, right. That's right. Shouts to uh, the announcing team from across the country. Like uh, you started this trend, Big Jed, but the the level just continues to rise. Like everybody's taking this up a notch. It is fun to listen to Sportsman Drag Racing and and watch it on the live feed because of what these announcers are doing. So on that note, shouts to a brake pedal full of cowboy boot and on track announcing in general. Excellent gig. And uh, last but not least, shouts to Brad Plord as a regular listener of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast. I am very aware of the man crush involved here. And I'm also now aware that 
my co-host of this show, is not above giving another man a kiss on the mouth. So, Brad, <laughs> just keep, keep your head on a swivel, my friend. Shouts to you. Uh, y'all go back and listen to my interview with Bob Mullaney. That'll explain some of that. Yeah, so very well said, Luke, and real quickly on that announcer thing. I don't know what part I played in it, but announcing at the big bracket races right now is as good or better than it has ever been. And whomever needs credit for that, just take it because it is awesome. And uh, the team at the WFC of Jay Codge and, and Ryan Gleghorn, along with some guest announcers, JJ and Jace Wanamaker, uh, Justin Wanamaker's son, did a phenomenal job for a, for a kid. Uh, so we got some bright futures coming too. So that's, that was the point I was trying to make, but I was cast bagging. But nonetheless, I'm glad you made that point. Guys, tell us your points. Tell us what you think. Message us right there on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. You're not doing enough of that. Let us know what's going on. Keep hearing about everybody enjoying these interviews, thousands of you, but you don't reach out and tell us anything. Tell us what we're doing wrong. Tell us what we're doing right, mostly what we're doing right, because nobody wants to hear what they're doing wrong, or just at either Luke or myself right there on Twitter. You're not doing enough of that either. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. I am at JP11X. We are thankful that you joined us. What a great show with some great guests and great topics. There'll be plenty more of that on the next show. Make sure you tune in. Banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning in. Foot breaking in anything. Bottom bobbing for a 10. I'm rolling in the cutty, switching feet like Jerry Pennington. I was in my truck. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.